What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Mint City Soccer Show. I am your host, David Gussler, and I'm running solo tonight, so no Matt Swift. So you can go ahead and tune out now if you wish. But no, just kidding. I have a special co-host here already doing a great job um, learning behind the scenes. But we've got Mr. IT Director himself from Mint City Collective, uh, Jeff Eklund. Welcome to the show, buddy. How are you doing? Doing great, David. How about you? Doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good. It's uh, it's always a great feeling uh, when Matt Swift tells you, hey, I'm not joining the show, and I'm sure our listener count just plummeted, but it spiked back up when they heard that you joined the show tonight. So, um, oh, I'm so glad that it did because I know that we probably got about 98% less kits between you know <laughs> the two of us than him. Um, he's probably off buying another kit here in another week or two, so... Uh, <laughs> No, <laughs> that, that's actually why he's not here tonight is that he is actually raiding Charlotte FC headquarters to get another kit behind the scenes. So, um, but excited to be here. Uh, we're coming back from a Charlotte FC victory over the weekend against Atlanta United. Um, but, you know, we're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, Jeff here uh, from Chicago, I, I believe. So we're going to talk about uh, the fire a little bit, his history with the team. Um what made him switch from the fire to Charlotte FC. Um, and then we'll get into some fan Q and A's, but um, first Jeff, like let's, let's talk about Atlanta. So I, I think you were down there. I think you were only like one person away from me in the stand. So um, how was the trip down? what do you think about the whole experience going down to Atlanta? Yeah, no, it was uh, definitely a great trip going down. Uh, bus number three, riding down there. We left about, I think a little before 9am on Saturday morning. Uh, it was a great trip down. You know, took over a rest stop in South Carolina with some some chance some music. <laughs> Scared the crap out of everyone that pulled over and was like, "What the heck is going on here?" Um, but it was all good with that. Uh, got back on and uh, had a great tailgate. Definitely arrived a lot earlier than predicted. Yeah. Uh, even with the rest stop, uh, no no biggie. Uh, you know, I think there was some chances of rain and cloudiness weather earlier in the week and then all of a sudden it switched to uh 88 degrees humid and sunny so uh you know welcome to the south i guess right <laughs> um <but laughs> otherwise it was a great tailgate with everyone uh great to to march in and and have such you know bigger numbers compared to last year when when we went down and we had what maybe one full section there like 200 people and now we had almost like a thousand or over a thousand people um it's it was crazy um and it was such a you know great experience. I just want to shout out to the team for for doing that and listening to us because I know a lot of other clubs and teams do um, a one way trip that you can pick. Um, for example, Chicago does like Minnesota before they've done Columbus. Um, Atlanta's was announcing they were doing it as well. Um, so it's kind of a, a common trend trend across you know the league for something to do. And it was really nice that they're able to do it because this is obviously their closest one and probably the only one I could tolerate being on a bus for, <laughs> for that long. I couldn't do uh, DC or Nashville for no, sure. No. Uh, but no, it was a great time, great win. Uh, you know, only got yelled at a couple times, no biggie. Um, but uh, didn't get kicked out, so that's all good. And uh, had a nice trip back. So yeah, well, well I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna dive into why you got yelled at a few times here in a minute. So uh, for those who weren't aware, um, the team did something pretty cool, I believe, uh, thanks to some sponsors. I, I think Ally was involved, and um, I think Wicked Weed was involved as well. And they they actually did this for Atlanta as well. I don't know if Ally did it for Atlanta, but um, the team actually provided um, 1,200 
fans, uh, essentially either a ticket um, and, and a certain amount limited for a bus ride down to Atlanta. And everyone got a chance to travel down, uh, get a section, a seat in the stadium. And it's nice because I, I know Swift was giving me a hard time there at the stadium. He's like, hey, you see, remember when Atlanta had a lot of fans and you were very upset about um, all these fans coming to Charlotte? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, this is the reason why we were able to do this because we allowed them so many. I was like, yeah, I know. I, I hate when you're right and I was wrong. But um, the cool thing with this was that it does create kind of more of a, I don't want to say like, rival or an artificial rivalry right but it is our closest team it is something that you can do in a day trip and it was awesome that the team was able to provide that for a lot of fans you didn't have to be in a supporter group or supporter um in that section but it was great to see them kind of arrive and travel down and jeff i I definitely have to say i was in bus number one which was with a lot of the southbound and crown folks so shout out to them for allowing me to hitch a ride with them but we were we passed you at the pit stop and we did not stop because we stopped in Greer. And I remember just looking over and going, what in the hell are they doing? Because all the buses were pulled over there. And all of a sudden, like, there's drums at a random pit stop in, like, Georgia or South Carolina, wherever it was. And I saw a video online and you guys were just singing and chanting and doing drums at a random rest stop <laughs> off the interstate. So, like, what sparked that just out of curiosity since I wasn't there on that bus? Was it just Blue Fury coming out and bringing out some drums or was, you know, what, what was the thought process there a little bit? It's definitely a lot of uh, passion and excitement to go down there. I'll, I'll tell you yeah. that for certain. Um, I, I was not fully 100% awake yet and, you know, kind of <laughs> reserving my energy because I know that, hey, it was only about 11 11 a.m. then and uh, we our match is until like 7.30. So, uh need to save my voice and not lose it in the, you know, by noon uh, <laughs> on it. But uh, no, it's just a lot of energy and, you know, it was a lot of people's first time, some you know, most people's first time going for a away game and, and such a bad experience like this. So, you know, and there was some alcohol drinks involved too. They probably <laughs> definitely fueled it, you know, <laughs> some more. But, uh, you know, it was a good time with it and uh, made our presence known on it. And uh, I know that quieted down a little bit more when we are at the tailgate and everyone had the the heat hidden on them um, oh yeah but you know once you got ready for the march it was ready to go again so yeah so it, it, that was one thing i really enjoyed so when we, we got finally got to atlanta they had this lot that they i don't know if supporters did or ally whoever it was they kind of rented a spot for the buses and everyone to tailgate it was really cool because it was just kind of like smaller version of what we do in charlotte right it was this big lot all the different supporter groups had their own tent their own sections but everyone kind of mingled with each other went up hung out sang chant drink eight etc right um and that was really cool to kind of see and it was a lot of fun shout out to uh, mint city collective they had their taco guy there who is always a huge hit i really enjoy that every time that they were there so shout out to you guys for helping set that up i actually kind of snuck some food as well from southbound and crown slash hooligans so not only did i get tacos i also got a hamburger as well so i knew i had to last like all day and that's what i did but uh no judgment or anything right but uh it was a really cool tailgate but like you said man it was uh it was rough there for the first two hours like we're in this you know asphalt parking lot it is like almost 90 degrees no clouds in the sky at first and it is just beaming hot and just getting everyone sunburnt and sun heat just killing everyone's vibe for a little bit of time there so were you able to pace yourself were you feeling pretty good before heading to the game yeah i was able to you know pace myself i uh, didn't realize the first couple of beers i grabbed were 9.5 percent New Belgium beers uh, that added some uh, 
fun mix to it. Uh, but uh, no, I uh, actually chilled out a little bit in, in Jay's truck and the AC blast. <laughs> yes. so I was like, all right, this is too hot for me. Um, but, you know, you're on blacktop and I'm like, all right, maybe you could grab a lot. We have it pretty good, right? <laughs> so let me tell you, because we yeah. don't get that kind of heat radiating on it. Um, but no, it was all good. Shout out to Wicked Weed for bringing a bunch of waters. Yeah. Uh, it was way more waters than what anyone else had because it was, like I said, it was like mid 70s prediction with overcast potential rain earlier than just completely 180 um, the day of. So, but yeah, no, it was definitely, definitely was able to make it through. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jay's, Jay's <laughs> truck definitely came in clutch. I, I even hopped in there at one point too and had the AC going. So shout out to Jay, uh, founder with Mint City, because he had his truck there with the MCC hitch. And it definitely saved the day for me and helped kind of help me get through the day. Um, but yeah, let's, let's talk about like a little bit about the game and the experience inside the stadium. So I know this was my first time in Mercedes Benz stadium, uh, which I want I'll add some commentary to that here in just a second. But I know you said you went last year. Um, and then this is going to be what your second time for a Charlotte FC match there. So, uh, anything different, anything that you really like about that stadium compared to what you, you experience every weekend at bank of America stadium. Cheap concessions. It's <laughs> very nice. Yeah. Cheaper concessions. All right. Uh, <laughs> that's probably definitely one. Uh, so definitely the beers are flowing for everyone. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, it was, uh, it was nicer to have a, a bigger away section this time. So last time, um, the very far left section that we had in the corners there. So if you look, it was the section to left of one we were in. Um, if you look over, you can see like the, there's like a, no seats at all right below you. And there's like a handicapped seating or not. So in case someone spills a little bit of something <laughs> beer over the railing, then you're okay. Uh, they're harping on us to make sure we didn't do it in ours and by accident or whatnot. Um, but just having a bigger crowd, it was definitely a lot less Atlanta fans there this time mm. than last time. Interesting. Uh, last year it was it was probably 90, 95% packed. There was a lot of no-shows or, or not as much um, this time um, looking around because we had section to our left that was packed and right of Atlanta fans last year and they a lot of them talking smack and whatnot and they had the famous clip of Lee going over and um, <laughs> running over to someone <laughs> after we scored uh, our, our goal with Adam Armour. But, uh, you know, um, it was, you know, nicer from that perspective that we had a bigger, a bigger audience and the players seemed to know that, um, and the team, you know, told them. So they really appreciated us and warmups and such and acknowledged us and whatnot. Um, but definitely the biggest away crowd that we brought, the second biggest one is DC from the, you know, the inaugural away match. Yeah. Um, but no, it was, uh, it was great. Uh, the security was a lot worse this time. I will say that <laughs> they were, uh, harping at us and we'll get more into that, but, uh, harping us about every little thing. I know last time, all they really cared about was make sure nothing's hanging over and you don't spill anything below you type of deal. Um, otherwise it kind of let us back and just make sure there was no fights or anything issues with that. This one, uh, they were just constantly walking through the front row and just making sure if you're within a foot of the railing that you need to step back. Whatnot at that point, they should just probably blocked off the whole front road to be honest, <laughs> yeah, but, um, at yeah. some points because how ridiculous is getting. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was definitely a different from that regard in a, in a negative way, but uh, otherwise, everything else is more positive, nice. say. and the result, of course, <laughs> the result definitely makes it a lot better for sure. So, yeah, I mean, this was my first time there, and the, I know I've always heard about the concessions at Atlanta. 
um, and what they do for their season ticket members. And I think one big difference you see, and it's pretty well documented that Atlanta owns their concessions. It's first party. They employ it. They, they buy it. They staff it. They do everything right. So kind of cuts the middleman out where a lot of the p- folks at like other major league sports stadiums use a third party, uh, you know, company to operate the food and beverage for them. So they have to increase it, pay their margin, et cetera. But, um, it was super nice to be able to get like slice of pizza for two or three dollars. Um, it was you can get, you know, hot dogs for pretty cheap. You can get you can get a bacon cheeseburger for like eight bucks, which would be like twenty dollars at Bank of America. Um, and then they have like draft beer for seven or eight, depending on the kind of beer. And then it, it was nice. It was nice to kind of see that. I definitely saw a lot of supporters buying more food that you typically wouldn't see in Bank of America. And I think it's because of that. But that was cool to see. And it was also a very nice benefit to have a dome and air conditioning because that's what saved the day. Because let me tell you, I don't think a lot of our supporters would have been able to sustain uh, the amount of energy that we were putting into it if it was outside and if it was in the heat like it was earlier that day. So um, that was one of my big takeaways. They had a pretty cool, you know, just overall feel walking in. Like you have this huge team store right when you walked in the gate that we did. They have some kind of high school football association wall mural thing inside. And um, it's massive. I didn't realize how big it is and the different levels that you you see. I've never been in another professional football stadium. Um, I, I guess you can classify what is it, RFK in DC, whatever it was, but that's not a top shelf stadium experience, but um, it, it was a lot of fun. It's probably one of the worst. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's probably one of the worst <laughs> ones, right? And I think ironically, I went to it and experienced a soccer game, not a football game. Um, but yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the stadium, I mean, the, I think the fans were caught off about the sheer number of fans that were coming in there from Charlotte. We were very loud walking in. I think the acoustics made it sound even much louder than what it was, um, inside just traveling and walking around. But yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about this the security experience is out of curiosity. So, um, you know, like you already touched on a little bit. I, I know we were in the front row in our section and, Atlanta security, it seemed like, I don't want to say that they were overwhelmed or stressed by the sheer number of Charlotte fans that were there, but it seemed like they were already ready for a, I don't want to say a fight, but ready for um, hooliganism to, to happen with, within this space, right? Versus assuming positive intent that we're going to behave and then escalating it from there. So we got there, we're in the front row before we even kick off. Um, they yelled at me and Matt Swift for putting our hands on the railing because we were leaning too far forward, which uh, I, I don't I'll share the picture on Twitter after the show is released just to kind of put context into it, because um, I don't know how you can just stand there and be yelled at from that perspective. But, you know, there was there were some things there. Uh, there were some incidents that, you know, I won't get into too much details where fans were, quote unquote, you know, instigating, not instigating, et cetera. But one of the biggest things here that um, I want to talk about is one of your traditions that you do. Um, but so for those who aren't aware, if you're not in section, you know, uh, the supporter section of Bank of America, every time that Charlotte FC scores a goal, Mr. Jeff here and Mr. Trey tend to take their shirts off and celebrate uh, within the stadium. So we'll <laughs> we'll ask how that gets started here in just a second. But um, we scored. So guess what happens? Jeff and Trey takes their shirt off. And Atlanta security comes over and says, Hey, you got to put them back on. Um, and I just thought that was pretty ridiculous because I think you see that across most major sports um, happening. And, uh, you know, it, it, 
I don't know, Jeff, like what, what, how'd you feel from that? Cause did you take your shirt off last year when, when Adam armor scored last year? Yeah, that's what I was kind of saying. The security's a little bit different last year <laughs> happened, headed off. They didn't, they didn't really care. Yeah. Didn't say anything this time. It was, uh, within a couple of minutes, uh, they're telling the people around me that I had their shirts off to put back on. Then also I was only one of the few that was, didn't have, shirt on i'm looking around and i see security guard on my left and my right and they're just death glaring me and i'm like all right well i guess i should put it on or i'm gonna get kicked out here and uh it's definitely uh a, a weird uh different thing to to get mad over I, yeah. I mean i i don't know i think the last time the dome was closed as well uh in the top so uh, the one who's that excuse they they said some other excuse about with uh gender equality and other things like that with with girls not being able to and, and such like that and I, I don't know whatever other excuses and such that they said it's, it's fine it's it's over with it's just kind of a weird thing so never never had that and there's others that had their shirts off and didn't get anything told no. them so I, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> i think they were just upset that they were losing three to nothing at one point but um so like for a lot of fans i know we, we put a, a poll out there questions to say hey you know we're having you join the show. What are some Q and A's? And we'll get into the Q and A's later. But one of the most resounding questions was, you know, where did this come from? Um, what was the, how did that tradition start for you and Trey? So Jeff, like you want to share a little bit why this started for you and why you do it every match when we score? Yeah. All right. So it started as a, as a joke. All right. So <laughs> it was, um, our first year for DC and I was with, uh, Trey and my wife and, uh, we're in DC and we're talking and we're like, like, yeah, you know, like we just might, you know, I might just take my shirt off and we score a goal for a time. I'll be so excited or whatnot. And then, uh, we had, uh, someone from WB TV reach out to us saying, Hey, they want to do an interview before the first match, um, to get all the hype and excited for it. And, uh, Trey and I went and walked over to Audi, you know, stadium or Audi field, um, the day before to go do this interview on it and we're just talking the normal interview you know they take like one minute of sound bites of a 10 minute conversation um with the reporter there and uh you know i was talking about like you know what you're gonna do and something about like hey like we're gonna get excited you know there's gonna be guys and people like taking their their shirts off and we score a goal and excitement (laughs) etc or something like that nature uh well i noticed on the news when it actually released um they used some of the sound bites on it to kind of play around with it a little bit where it sounded like hey when people are just gonna get really excited they're just gonna take you know some things off and and then uh, take their shirt off shirts off and they kind of like put that and then uh the news <laughs> the news anchor folks were uh laughing about it saying like oh gosh well we know we're not gonna be doing that or something like that um about uh taking your clothes off or something's getting a little rowdy or something and uh we just laughed at it and i was like Damn, that's not what i meant but <laughs> okay so it was just kind of funny where i was like you know screw it i'm gonna do it if it happens and then the the ortiz goal eventually no goal uh happened so then there i am with a picture with trey and i because i made him do it with me because i was like all right you're in you're in it with me for this and uh you know in the cold dc 30s 40 degree weather <laughs> whatever it was the beanie on and no shirt on um just to find out the golden you know, last and I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna put this back on at this point because I think just a bad look. Um, and then we ended up losing, but <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of that's kind of where it started, and then it just kind of escalated from there to uh, you know, just uh, 
me only doing a couple in trade and a couple other folks doing it to then just more people doing it. And then it kind of just became my thing then. <laughs> and then I was just like, all right, well, it's just good luck if I just do it. So I just keep it off until the end of the match then. Um, or, or for Atlanta, you know, 10 minutes till I get yelled at and threatened and kicked out of the stadium. Uh, but uh, so that's, that's kind of where it started. Um, like I said, it was just a joke, excitement, whatnot. But uh, it's, uh, I guess, my, my thing now that people recognize me for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Nashville has like, what is it, like Soccer Moses or something like that. We have shirtless jeff in our in our supporters drunk shirtless jeff in the supporter <laughs> section chanting there you that's go that's why my twitter handle is mint street hooligan right because you know i'm a hooligan <laughs> i guess <laughs> so how, how does how does your wife feel about this happening every game because i'm i i know i've gotten some looks and glares from my wife if i ever tell her that i'm gonna be doing this so how does how does your wife feel about you doing this every game she she tells people hey like because some of her friends are in the sports section area or in the seats and they're like hey if you want to find my husband because they be like asking oh where's jeff at yeah look for the, the mint city north carolina flag waving one two if we score a goal look for a shirtless guy that's hairy and you'll probably find him <laughs> and she told that to someone and i sw- i swear to god like two minutes later she sent me a picture of me from this person that found me he's like oh there he is it's amazing so uh she she uh supports it to a degree i guess and uh encourages it <laughs> shakes her head sometimes probably at the same time but uh yeah. no so I'm, she still loves me it's all good <laughs> i think yeah. you think you think well, I, you guys are still married at this point so i think so but yeah, uh i think it's going well <laughs> <laughs> well i know there was one game last year i decided to join you on i think i think it was the philly game because it was like the daniel rios like four goal game or something like that yes and, it was a philly game I yeah that clearing well i got that photo <laughs> yeah i think so and then during the mint city gala i had no idea that sh- that photo even existed and all of a sudden i bring laura to it and it's like on the slideshow and then there's all of us with our shirt off and I'm like front and center with like no shirt on. And she looked at me and she goes, when did you do that? I have no idea when that you did that. I was like, I have no idea I did that, but here we are. So, um, but it's a, it's a fun tradition. So if you guys are ever in the supporter section, we score a goal, make sure you look for Jeff and Trey here uh, with their shirts off going wild and crazy in the section. So it's, it's a pretty cool little tradition you started and hopefully you continue doing that so we can get some more goals this weekend. I mean, I won't be doing it for this weekend because I'm actually not sitting in the sports section for once the first time. <laughs> but uh, I will watch everyone else across the way and I'll take photos and I fully expect you, David, to do it too. <laughs> well, all I have to say is that you just need to spark a new tradition elsewhere in the stadium. Wherever you're sitting, I low-key hope it's in the vault and that way you take your shirt off in the vault and go from there. So It's close. It's close. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> so I definitely think you should do that this weekend for it. So um, I won't be there tomorrow night, but I'll definitely, if you're not there Saturday, I will make sure the tradition carries on in some way or fashion. So I'll, I'll be there Saturday. Good. You know, good. Ready. Ready for when we you know, <laughs> score three, four goals, hopefully against Nashville, because I'll be very there ecstatic. And another good thing about it as well is when you have your shirt off on it and then they try throwing beers up and whatnot, yeah. guess what? It's just going on your body and not your shirt. You can hide it. So it's not soaked. It's and it, and it, you still smell like real men, real men of genius. <laughs> I mean, you're going to smell like beer regardless, but it won't be your shirt. That's very smart still. Cause my, there's, been, there's been many a games where my kit is just sticky and gross afterwards, but awesome, man. Well, I'm glad that we were able to kind of share that story a little bit and give some context. I always look free in the fan cam and, it's always interesting to see whenever it's been after a goal because there you are shirtless in the fan cam. So um, 
awesome, man. Well, that, so um, just to talk about Atlanta a little bit, since I know Swift isn't here to give us his deep dive analysis on this, but um, what do you think of the overall game there, Jeff? I mean, not anything too in-depth, but what was your initial thought? Was it a surprise to you that the team walked away with three points in Atlanta with a three-to-one victory this past Saturday? I would, I would say it's a general consensus was a surprise across the board, uh, given the you know having Jones out, Enzo out, um, everyone talking to you at the tailgate, they're like, hey, a draw is a win at this point. A win will be ecstatic. A loss is kind of expected. Um, just the way, you know, the people that are out on it and being on the road on it. Uh, but they really came out, you know, well and, and um, you know, attacked well. Um, man, Moran, he's just something else uh, since we got him. He's been, a, I think, really a, you know, milestone um, changer for us uh this season at least because uh just he brings more to life on the wing there where he's he doesn't always attack to the corners and, and sprints to the corners and just crosses in the last minute which yep. um gains you know loves to do that <laughs> um he he'll he'll you know slow it up and he'll pass it into the striker to enzo or whatnot or sort of or whatnot and kind of pull up and then go across he was there in that first goal all the way in the back um playing a garbage sweeper role on there um on that wing and um it's you know something that i love to do when i played a lot long time ago competitively um just being able to go around that the back end side when a cross comes in it clears through everyone and gets that very last person in the back in that far post and wide open easy shot just tap it in um you know put it on goals so it's really Great from that overall team performance uh, was great. Um, and defensively, we did decent. There was some shaky moments in some parts where, you know, hey, if they, they could have put that better on target, they probably would have scored. Um, then the momentum changed really when that red card came out. Sordowski scored that second goal. And at that point, it was kind of never really in doubt. You know, never really in doubt for me at that point. There was some eerie moments later on um later in the match when they scored you know momentum going back some but it's it's pretty hard to come back you know if you're down three goals and and down a person um and and be able to come back and at least tie at that point um from from it so at that point i was it was kind of in the bag and that was really momentum change i think if Sardeski missed that pk or it wasn't a red card at all um it could have been a lot different you know a lot different game at the end there. Absolutely. Yeah. It, for me, I mean, <clears throat> if you go back to the previous podcast, I even, I think I even said, you know what, I'm going to predict that we lose, just hoping that we win and <laughs> see if that helps. Uh, here we are. And so I was really surprised by, it, especially with, you know, our DP striker out because of yellow card accumulation, Derek Jones, who's been our, you know, consistent center defensive mid this season, um, out again for yellow card accumulation. Um, then you had Camille Uzwiak come back to uh, from injury to play this game. And you had Carroll move up to the top. And, you know, you had some different lineup changes a little bit, right? You had um, Jan still starting because, you know, Milanda was still hurt. You had, uh, you know, Byrne starting at left back because Joseph Mora was still hurt. So it was a depleted roster for Charlotte FC. And for you to travel and to win in that fashion, I think, was a pretty, pretty exciting moment to see. It, it shows you what's what's possible, I think, with this club, especially as we start to get some of these players potentially back. 
like a Guzman Corujo that's going to help with, you know, uh, solidifying the, the center back position, having, um, you know, Bill come back from injury, being able to help with that space for it as well. Right. So it was a, it was definitely surprising. Justin Miriam's been a pretty big surprise. I think for me, I don't think anyone would have predicted him to come out and get a brace and get two goals against his former club in Atlanta. You, you probably can't write it much better than that. Right. Um, so I think overall the team played very well. I will agree with you towards the second part of the second half. Atlanta started to look a little bit more dangerous, which was a little bit worrisome, especially since they were playing a man down at that point. And they started creating a little bit more chances. But, you know, to Charlotte's credit, they were able to weather the storm, even though they let a goal in towards the end. They were able to weather it and walk away with three points with a three to one, very definitive game um, against Atlanta United. So, um, before we start diving into you and like what you do for Mint City and your uh, history as a fan, one last question about the experience in the stadium. So, um, what were your, what was your thoughts from just the environment that the away supporters um, created there in the stadium? Because you know there was a lot of comments online, a lot of angry Atlanta fans on Twitter and Reddit, uh, kind of giving us kudos, but also being pissed that there was that many fans there and making that much noise. But what did you think of the environment that the away supporters created there in Atlanta? loud <laughs> number one yeah they're very loud we're the largest you know away crowd they've seen so yeah they have a right to be mad um it's just back in history as a fire family in seattle and portland was in town and they would take up two sections in toyota park in the corner and they're just loud as hell um so that is you know frustrating um to be on that side so yeah that's we made an impact walking in even the announcers shouted out multiple mm-hmm. times on the stream after looking back at it. And uh, that's what we need to do. Disrupted them and didn't make it feel like it was 100 percent, you know, home match for it. Um, so just be loud and proud. And that's, you know, the best that we could do. We did that all without any drums or anything, just with our voices, you know, and just some clapping and some whistles, you know, <laughs> from uh, <laughs> from some folks. And, uh, you know, that's that's, you know, helped the team out. Um, we really did well. So yeah, it was a it was I thought it was a, a fantastic showing, especially for a club that's been around for a year and a half. Um, no drums, no instruments, noisemakers. Um, Atlanta even put us in these seats that you can't even bang like we can in Bank of America. It is something where they are restricted, where you can't even like really bang them to make any noise. Um, so it's we were able to disrupt in a well-known home environment with 1200 fans um, that was organically chanting and getting people to get involved, to stand. I don't think really anyone sat in our sections there for the most part, um, except for like halftime, right? Everyone was standing for the majority of the game. People were singing. Uh, we even did the the pausing in there at the beginning of the match before kicking off, right? Even without Peppa's playing, we still did it. And I think that, is a credit to the, the culture that supporters are really creating. Um, and, you know, the work that you and the other officers of Met City Collective, officers from other supporter groups are doing. Um, it, it's a really big kudos to y'all because we are still technically a young team, even though we want success and, um, you know, all the accolades right away. We are still just a team that's been around for 18 months in terms of playing, right? And it's been a long journey for some folks, but it's awesome to kind of see that come to life. And, Yes, we definitely had some folks with some loud whistles, but that was made with their mouth. So shout out to Sombrero Man. Uh, man, that guy, he is, he is a noisemaker by himself, which is amazing. So um, 
so kudos to them. I just want to give some kudos to some folks too, like, you know, some Burr Man, uh, Sean, Jay, um, Carl from Southbound and Crown. All these folks were really helping lead some chants across that section as well. And it really helped keep folks organized um, to kind of really um, help us out there and make really Atlanta almost a home part two for us. And guess what? They're going to know us for that experience until this time next year, which is fantastic. So hopefully the team does this again um, and we can create that environment again next year, but even bigger, which I think would be the goal if we can make it happen. So I'm really looking forward to it. So um, any other thoughts from from Atlanta, Jeff, before we move on? My only thoughts was I'm surprised they didn't open up the all the way upper deck and just threw us up, just in the corner. Us up there. So then we could throw stuff down that could block those sections off if you accidentally spill beer or whatnot, and it's whatever. Yeah. Um, but after seeing how sparsely some of their sections were throughout the rest of the stadium, not surprised. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, and I, I wonder, I, when I first heard that we were going down there, I honestly assumed that we were going to put up there in the 300s and just put in the corner, right? Um, but luckily we didn't, but I see why, because... I mean, they, it seems like they only open open up the upper half if it's like a, a full sellout, just like we do in Charlotte. They're not going to open the upper deck just for away supporters. They're going to make it make sure it's full before they do that. So, um, also, man, well, I'm, I'm, I really enjoyed Atlanta. Again, shout out to everyone involved, the team, the sponsors, et cetera, for setting that up and the supporter group leadership for helping organize that. So really, really great job. I know you're part of that work. So thank you for everything you do behind the scenes. So. Um, but let's talk about you as a, as a supporter, you as a fan a little bit in your history before we start talking about Chicago Fire too. So um, I introduced you as the IT director a little bit um, earlier, but so can, can you just tell some of the folks what you do with Mint City Collective, what you do behind the scenes um, and really like what your role is and, you know, what kind of impact you have on the day to day for the, for the supporter group? Yeah. So roles, anything IT related. Um, that's my day job and that is what, you know, I volunteer and, uh, was elected for, um, second year kind of going on that we created this role halfway through last year <laughs> since we needed it. Um, but anything with, you know, the website, um, help answering emails and stuff like that, which I've divvied off to other folks as well, because sometimes <laughs> the amount of volume is, is crazy at times. Um, that, and then anything with the products or whatnot, I also help run with the merch, um, for merch at tailgates, which most people probably see if they come over to the tailgate, you can go say hi, go wave to me. Um, come buy some merch if you want. It's fine. Don't buy merch. It's okay. Just say hi. <laughs> I'm friendly. Um, but over at the the merch tent for all the home games um, and, and running that and with dog tags and also helping with ordering some of the merch as well that other folks designed or could design or they say, hey, I want this. And I say, okay, all right, I'll order this for you. Um, but that and then managing you know, the website, there's a lot of things behind the scenes and um operations why like you know you have you have a domain a website domain you have a website itself and the cost with that and different apps there's a lot of different things a lot of different costs that people don't know is when you get a bigger to a bigger supporter group like this um the costs just go up and up um on different things and a lot of different things to manage and and maintain it's almost like a second full-time job that i don't get paid i get paid in beer uh <laughs> i guess you could say but um Otherwise, no, it's really, um, you know, a lot of uh, opportunity as well, like memberships and such like that, and managing that and, and different products and um, reports and such like that that folks need for um, meal tickets that were purchased prepaid and 
all those different things like that. I'll bore you if I just talk through all of them. But uh, those are the main things with that. I'm also the Slack admin in, in MCC. So if you uh, misbehave, including you, David, um, I could remove you and, and strip, strip away all your rights yeah. and uh, kick you out if I need to. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> but um, all that with it and then just, you know, making sure that you know, everything's running, you know, running smoothly with it. I'm just a one man, one man shop with it, uh, which is a lot, but uh, it, it's fun. So yeah. I mean, kudos to you because it is definitely something. I know you, you touched on it there. Was last year when you know we were kind of building the plane while it was in the air, right? Um, we were kind of learning what we needed and not needed as <clears throat> as a supporter group. And um, you know, thank you for stepping in and helping uh, with the IT stuff behind the scenes a lot. Uh, I mean, hell, I, I I don't even know what you would have to do with some of the website and some of the the back end stuff that you've done, but. You know, you handle all that stuff really, really well. You keep the the engine running really well. You like the oil that gets put in there to kind of help keep it going. Um, I have noticed you've already taken away some of my Slack powers I had last year. So thank you for that. Um, and, you know, I again, just kudos because like you do do the IT part. Um, but man, you and I mean, I know your wife helps out a ton with it too. Trey does it. You guys are out there like every weekend running that merch table, man. And it is, I know that's not a glamorous job. But you guys are always back there helping support that. I'm sure you've probably got a lot of merch in your garage, a lot of stuff stowed away at your house that people don't realize is behind the scenes. It's not like we have this corporation warehouse or anything like that, right? It's it's literally a bunch of folks who volunteer their time and you know effort to really keep this thing going. And um, you guys do a fantastic job. And it's not, um, I know from helping out last year, it's definitely not um, an easy thing. So we really appreciate it behind the scenes and, you know, everything that you do to help this supporter group kind of grow where it needs to be. So thank you. Um, and obviously thank your wife, because I know my wife uh, has had, you know, her moments where she's like, man, you're doing soccer stuff again. So I, I know if you're, if my wife's doing that, I know yours has probably been like, yep, there's probably times there too. So um, kudos to y'all for helping out with that space. But um, awesome, man. So thanks for sharing a little bit about what you do with, with Met City. But let's talk about um, Chicago, right? So that one of the big reasons we brought you on the show is that tomorrow night, uh, Cheryl FC takes on the Chicago Fire here in Bank of America Stadium. And it's kind of, a, I don't want to say like a reunion or homecoming for you a little bit, um, but tell some fans a little bit about your history from a soccer fandom perspective, right? Did you grow up as a Chicago Fire fan? You know, what was that like? And what was your experience really as a, as a fan growing up with that team in, in your local market? Yeah. So, uh, it's going to be a uh, pretty exciting tomorrow. Um, I actually missed the last year's match at home because I was uh, at the beach for my wife's birthday. Um, so it'll be the first time being able to see him here. Um, I did go to that way match that we won three, two, and uh, I'll touch on that one later. Um, but uh, no, just as a Chicago fire fan, you know, I started when I was younger as a kid. Um, I know the team was founded 97, first season, 98. They won it all, 98. They won the MLS Cup, won the Open Cup. Um, it was kind of popular a little bit. I mean, it was after a World Cup run in the U.S. or whatnot in the 90s there. And um, But I was I was young, so I didn't really know too much about it. Um, occasionally, I would watch in the early 2000s um, when they would play at Soldier Field. 
before they were homeless for a year. I think it was 2002 when they were doing the soldier field renovations. So they were kind of playing on the suburbs of Naperville or whatnot. Um, so was able to, you know, watch them, but really started actually going to a match. The first one was when they went to Toyota Park in Bridgeview, um, which we'll touch more on that as well. Um, but, uh, with the, the fire, it's, it's a, it's an interesting, you know, market. It's, you know, one the older markets on it. And, uh, it's got the MLS 1.0 marketing that they had initially, you know, Hey, just get in the stadium, all the wacky rules. You got to see all that. Um, it was kind of hard to watch on TV earlier on. It was like on Comcast Sportsnet, sometimes Chicago version of it. And sometimes, sometimes it wasn't. So it was kind of here and there. People didn't really latch on to it like crazy. There was some, I mean, we never averaged over I think 20,000 fans just because people have that mindset of, well, this is good, but there's better leagues out there. There's a premier league out there. There's La Liga or whatnot. So you'll have bars and Saturday, Sunday morning in Chicago, all over the city, completely packed globe pub for one, be completely packed for premier league and all these other European league teams clear out fire have a game you know later on in the day and they'd have 18,000 people there 17,000 so um it was definitely you know uh, a different vibe than than with Charlotte uh so to speak where the the whole city and the whole state and even you know South Carolina and North Carolina really grasped onto it um you know kind of the whole focus and everything on with you know Hey, we're going to get behind this team, get support, great marketing, great operations right away. While the fire was kind of just run, almost felt like a bunch of like, you know, initially it was like a bunch of interns as a lower pay, you know, it just wasn't, MLS wasn't there, there yet. It was infancy is a lot. Um, and then, you know, had those turmoil years where it almost went completely under, um, if Kraft and, and some, you know, Lamar Hunt and whatnot didn't save it. Um, so it was definitely, you know, a different, atmosphere uh the very first fire game i ever went to which i'm probably gonna ask uh was i asked for my dad to go there um it was i didn't know either of the two the, their opponent at the time it was actually a friendly all right it was against the la liga team and it was a la liga team that was whenever i would ask you know um any hispanic friends that i know they say oh you're in for a surprise i was wanting you to guess what team that was, because they all said that they're very rowdy. That's going to be an interesting atmosphere. I, I have no idea. I'm going to say Tigress. I have no idea. I, I don't know. No, it was, uh, <laughs> I think it was 2006 or so. They played them twice. I think it was 2006 or seven. It was when we had Blanco, um, Blanco, which he played for Club America before, unless we were playing against Club America. So we go to Toyota Park, and my dad's completely oblivious to soccer. I played soccer since I was two or three years old. Right. Started and played youth all the way up. I was like, I just want to go to this fire game and pick this game. We're like one of the 100 section near the midfield line, and uh, we go in there and we're looking around, and we are some of the very few red shirts all around in the sea of yellow. <laughs> uh, nice, a sea of yellow and blue everywhere. And uh, I remember going in there and just seeing specks of little red. And then you see section eight on the far left and it's just solid red for the one section. And it's just yellow all around it. <laughs> and uh, it was a it was a wild uh, uh, match to say, this, uh, say the least. It was crazy. But the interesting thing was, was um, the section, you know, the same row. There's someone that would ask for like a picture at like halftime and they take a picture. 
you know, and they had a Club America stuff on. And then they took the Club America like kit off and they had the fire kit underneath. <laughs> so it was like their second team. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, I think the fire ended up losing that friendly. I think it was like two to one or they lost by one goal, I believe. And it was later on goal. And I remember it near the end because of all the tensions from the section eight and section next to um, of Club America fans. I just looked over to my left and I just see a sea of cups and beer being tossed at each other, just nonstop. And my dad's just like, what the heck did you get me into? <laughs> <laughs> he, he was like, what are you doing? What was going on here? This is a away yeah. game. This isn't a home game. Um, so, yeah, no, it was, it was pretty wild with, with that. And that was my very first ever match. And I was like, wow, this atmosphere is awesome. But like, it wasn't for the right team. <laughs> yeah. Was that was that in Sludger Field or was that um, no, that was in, in Toyota Park? Yeah, that was in Toyota Park. So I think it was 2006 was the first year in Toyota Park. Oh, all right. We'll go on the Toyota Park. People will probably ask about it. So what happened with Toyota Park is so they started in Soldier Field. They were in there since the start. Um, renovation Soldier Field happened in 2002 around, I believe. Um, the Bears played at U of I that year. The Fire played in like Naperville or some like random colleges. They were just like a traveling team, essentially, in the suburbs <laughs> that year. Um, and then they came back to Soldier Field for a couple of years. And then they got a sweet deal with the city of Bridgeview. It's about 17 miles outside of Chicago. There's no direct public transit. There's like a bus that goes from like the Orange Line, I think, or whatnot. Um, it's just passed outside of most public transit. And they offer this big giant parcel that has giant parking lots all around it. And they said, hey, we will build a you know 20,000 soccer specific stadium and we will 100% cover the cost, the city. Wow. So the fire like, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so they said yes. So you know, it's kind of out of the way. It wasn't the best move, so to speak. From uh, it wasn't the best move for you know the fire for like fans getting more fans in. But sure, they had a full stadium and they had a, like a thirty-year lease or something like on it, which was hmm. a really long lease. That was the kicker on it. But they got a brand new stadium for free and it has concerts and such there you know, and things like that. So they didn't care. That was fine. That was fine with them. Um, but no, it was really, you know, typical soccer specific stadium, just like the old Columbus Crew, Matt Fire Stadium, and all the other ones that are older around then. Uh, and, uh, you know, decent one side on it. Um, you know, good good acoustics, but the support section was open, so it wasn't the best they could be. Sure. Um, and such like that. But that's what their home was for the longest time. And then they ended up breaking their lease and going to Soldier Field when they had the new owner uh, hmm. coming in. And whatnot. But, uh, Why, why'd they go back to Soldier Field? Just out of curiosity. Yeah. So the Hampton finally sold this, the stakes on it. And they had um, the current owner, his name escapes me, but I know he's a local businessman that's like a billionaire. Um, not Tepper rich billionaire, but uh, <laughs> rich enough where he bought out the rest of the, broke the lease, paid a certain sum to the city of Bridgeview saying, hey, we're breaking your lease. We're moving back to Soldier Field because they wanted to get their tenants back because the tenants was going worse, but tenants are still bad in Soldier Field. So it's, yep. there's a lot of issues and dynamics. They still have the MLS 1.0 marketing where they're marketing to families and, and kids and not to a wider range. There's some issues with the supporter groups and such like that. There's There's a, compound of issues and soldier field is great but the location of it it it's like on an island but in the city it's, it's it's weird how to explain it. it's like it's still 15 20 minute walk to it there's no bars nothing around it because chicago park district owns it 
so they won't allow that on there. I think they tried putting like a casino or something there and they got denied on that <laughs> or something. <laughs> Someone was trying to, um, but they're constantly trying to do that. And it's, there's a lot of issues with it, um, with the location in other words in the city, but it's kind of isolated on it. And honestly, they just really just need kind of that new, that new spark of a, yep. of a new shiny stadium. That's a soccer circuit stadium, which they actually had a good run for USL stadium. Um, I think in 2018, 2017, around there, the Tony Ricketts was owner of the Cubs and he had some issues or whatnot. He was trying to build a stadium in, in the city of Chicago um, to have for a USL championship team. And it was like 20,000 seat stadium uh, right on the river. Um, would have been perfect. Great, you know, stadium, but it got vetoed by the local um, representatives. They didn't want the traffic the noise, whatever, and such like that. So they kind of got canned down. Um, I think eventually they, they will do something. Just don't know when. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you've, and you've been to a game at Soldier Field, obviously with, for, for a fire game. So um, you, you said you went to the one last year for Charlotte FC, right? Gotcha. So that was my first, every time I went to Soldier Field. Ever. Nice. So, nice. It was, so it was kind of a special moment for me. But. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. So um, you've got the chance to experience a game in, you know, Bank of America Stadium for Charlotte FC multiple times already. You got to see them play the Chicago Fire um, in Soldier Field. So, like, what's what's the difference for a lot of fans? Because like you said, you know, Chicago on paper should be um, a really historic, quote unquote, MLS team. They've had success early on. Um, they've had some pretty decent youth players and some younger players recently on the on the squad, um, and it just doesn't seem like it translates to, you know, attendance, quote unquote, in Chicago. But uh, Soldier Field's obviously a very historic stadium, uh, a lot of history there. Bears play there; it's been around for a very long time. Um, so, what what's what's the experience for it like there? And then, what's the difference that you would say compared to visiting a game in Bank of America Stadium for some fans? So. The biggest thing, first thing, it's a funny fact about the stadium. When they were doing these renovations for it, they were trying to, they preserved all the columns around mm-hmm. the stadium because for Soldier Field for historical landmark status. And uh, they actually took and altered it enough where they lost that status like five or six years after wow. <laughs> they, they finished the renovation. So it's pretty much pointless. They should have just knocked the thing down and did a whole new <laughs> one at that point. Um, cause you gotta get some special funds or something or not. Yeah. But, uh, anyways, I'll stop ripping on the Chicago park district cause there's plenty <laughs> of things ripped about on. Um, so I know the grass has always been an issue there cause it's not the best grass. Um, but, um, the stadium is, is definitely, you know, it's like an alien spaceship it was just dropped down in between some columns and they said, you know, here's a, here's a stadium. That's what it kind of looks like <laughs> on it. Um, but uh, you can tell how it was, you know, bigger before because uh, the sections on the main concourse is like massive width and wide. And then it kind of goes in more because they made it. So you're like on top of, you know, looking straight down like on the, on the field more or whatnot. Um, from a location standpoint, like I was saying before, it's kind of, it's in the city. There's public transit all around it. It's kind of on its own little island. They have like an express bus that goes to it for game days and whatnot. But they could have, you know, had a an L train stop. I know there's a metro stop that's close to it, but that's for you know certain suburbs going down. And they have some stops, you know, up in Grant Park. You can go and do it, but it's just 
why not make it just walkable more um, or having a better walkable location? But that, you know, that's a different story on it. So I will say that because you have the lake on one side, then you have the park and openness and field museum north of it. And you have a you know, Lakeshore Drive right there. So it's, you know, you have to go underneath Lakeshore Drive and either way, if you're walking to get to it. Um, so Bank of America Stadium definitely has that over that where it's kind of like dead plant in the center. There's stuff all around it, circling around it, you know, parking. You take the blue line if you want to. That's close. A walk. There's there's other things all around. There's bars and restaurants that are close. Um, you have to walk at least a good 15, 20 minutes to get to some of the bars and restaurants in the South Loop uh, from Soldier Field. So we'll say that concession prices are about, about the same, I would say. They're expensive, not cheap. but um, you know, you're paying for the location. So, um, so that's about, you know, on par with it, the seats, you know, just kind of like a standard NFL stadium as others. Uh, it's a very small NFL stadium, which works great for the fire because they don't get attendance like that and they block everything off, uh, on the higher up levels. But, uh, for an NFL game for the bears, you know, they would sell out an 80,000 seat stadium, which, they are probably going to move to Arlington Heights in the suburbs. They did buy that land. I did see that they're supposing, you know, proposing plans. So they're probably going to be out in 10, 15 years or whatever they get done with that. Um, that train is rolling on that one. And uh, there's talks of the city of renovating Soldier Field to just the Chicago Fire for Soccer Pacific Stadium. And they also you know, had talks of renovating it to try to keep the Bears, which seems like that ship has sailed because it's way too late. And then also trying to renovate it to appease another NFL franchise expansion. They talked about that too, um, by having a dome on it. So, or a partial dome on it. Kind of like, I think one of those like LA type where it's fully enclosed, but not fully enclosed. It's open air at some point. Um, it's a lot colder there. That's another big difference. It's very windy here on the lake. Just a wee bit colder and windy than Charlotte. Just a wee right? bit. Yeah, we had the flags hanging over um, last year, and I, I think they blew over back and forth probably about like 10 times uh, with the wind, where it was just at the point where I was just like, you need to have it tied down in each corner down because the wind gusts this ram and just come out of nowhere and just start blowing it around. Um, so that makes it challenging. And then the natural grass um, has been poor a lot. It's been poorer than turfs, so... You know that everyone complains about um it was rated one of the worst grass fields or for the nfl for a lot there's you know the famous game last year where it was like a giant uh mud pit with a, a slip and slide of water and you have fields sliding sliding superman like, like it's like he's going down like a water slide um, yeah, in the i think charlotte charlotte played like the week after that game too there in chicago and it was like god what's the what's the grass gonna be like for even a soccer game right after that so oh yeah yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely challenging, and um, you know, for the Bears playing on it, for the Fire playing on it, for Charlotte FC playing on it, because you just don't know. Um, since it's owned by the Park District, they sometimes take really good care. Sometimes, most of the time, they don't. So that's just you get when you have someone else, you know, owning it and making those decision decisions on things on what turf to use and such like that. Yeah, and, and they're probably also limited to the funds and the upkeep and maintenance because it's a public parks and rec department that's maintained by the government. So, um, yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. So I like from a concession perspective, just out of curiosity, 
I'm sure they've got deep dish pizza. They got Chicago dogs there for, for fans to buy. Correct. Yeah. I'm sure I just wouldn't buy them in the stadium. You can have a Chicago hot. Just it. don't put ketchup on it. Otherwise they'll tell you to go across the street. <laughs> so, so just talking through that a little bit. So I, I do want to pick your brain a little bit from someone that grew up in that area and, and is from there and knows a little bit about it. So, um, I've, I've been to Chicago one time. I had some deep dish pizza, some, you know, Chicago dogs. I went to a Cubs game, et cetera. Right. But, um, we got a lot of questions from fans about pizza, your thoughts, et cetera. So Chicago is known for a deep dish pizza. What is your favorite there? What are some of the top spots to go check out if you're a traveling away fan going up there or just visiting from uh, just to check it out? What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. So for anyone that's listening that is actually from Chicago, the Chicagoland area, from the Chicagoland area, I grew up outside in Juliet. So don't yell at me. Usually I say I'm from Chicago first because if I say Juliet or if I say Shanahan, people look at me like, they don't know what I'm talking about. Unless if they say, yeah, I'm from Chicago. Then they goes, oh, yeah, they're from Naperville and I'm from Juliet. Okay, cool. All right. Let's move on from there. <laughs> but uh, from in the city, I mean, there's some great deep dish pizza places. And, and you know, there's a hidden pizza that I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but uh, probably my favorite one that I've had recently is from Pequod's. It's off Clybourne Avenue in um just north, north, of, oh, just River North. It was in Lincoln Park area. Technically, it's like on the border of multiple neighborhoods um, by like DePaul campus and whatnot. And um, that one, probably the best. I had that last time. I think I've tried to eat in there three or four times now. And the first three times I was unsuccessful. One of the times I literally Ubered from my buddy's house from Logan Square, which is about 20, 25 minute drive to there. And we waited and waited, and then they said, hey, there's a three-hour wait list. Oh, at, <laughs> at 7 o'clock, there's a three-hour wait list. But we're open until like midnight or 1. This is before COVID. And I was like, don't worry. And I'm like, no, we're starving. So we ended up going to like Illuminati's or one of the other chains that everyone hears about because they don't have the long lines like the local places do. Um, so, yeah, I got very fortunate and lucky this last time where – I was like, hey, Kara, going to Pequot's. We're going to see what happens. We're going to go there. We're going to lift there. And the lift driver's like, hey, did you get a reservation or anything like that? And I'm like, nope. I'm going to walk in and I'm going to hope because it's my birthday weekend that I magically get a spot. I don't care. And I'll wait as long as it possibly takes to just get a deep dish pizza from this place to try it out. And luckily enough, I got up there and they said, hey, we just had someone that canceled for a table of two. And I said, I will take that right now <laughs> and sat down immediately, which is a rarity for that restaurant. But I would highly recommend uh, Pequod's. Um, I know some people like uh, it's a little bit different style deep dish. Uh, Chicago pizza oven and grinder um, is another one. And then, you know, you got your typical Giordano's, Illuminati's, Uno's pizza and whatnot. Um Chicago's Pizza is another one that has uh, multiple chains of them up there um, that is really good. Um, I don't know how good my review is because I had it last time I had it, it was DoorDash to my buddy's house when I was there at like midnight. Um, and then the other night we had some bomb $6 burritos from somewhere that was like the size of like fist. And uh, it was just 
some of the best food ever, but it was probably, you know, it was late night food. So <laughs> who knows? It might not be that good. Um, <laughs> but uh, definitely that, you know, there's a lot of good deep dish places there. But the real secret pizza place is actually mm. the thin crust pizza. That's the mm. best pizza. That's the everyday pizza. We call the deep dish the special occasion pizza. Because when David comes in town and says, hey, I want pizza, everyone thinks of deep dish. And we say, all right, right. we'll get you the deep dish. Right. But what we eat on the regular, you know, when we're going out, because deep dish, you'll just sleep afterwards so much and it's so amazing and so good. You get the thin crust pizza um, and it's cut in squares. So it's usually four by three cut or three by three cut. Um, and that is some of the best pizza because it's it's not like St. Louis pizza because it's like flaky. That's what I ask you if it's it, like that. Yeah. It's not flaky. No, it's more solid, um, more doughy solid. But it's, if it's thin crust, it's not going to like overfill you up and it tastes really good. Um, that is the stereotypical Chicago pizza that the locals and everyone eats. Um, if you are ever in the suburb in Joliet, my number one go-to thin crust place is called Semino's. It's been around there since like the 40s or something like that. It's off Essington Road in Joliet, if you're ever out that way. It is amazing. It was Semino's, then it was Aurelio's, then it's back to Semino's with some brothers that got in some fights, and then they changed their name like three times back and forth, I guess, or something. I don't know what happened with it. It's just good pizza. So I'd go there if you want thin crust pizza there. Chicago style thin crust pizza on there. Um, and that is probably some of the best uh, pizza that I would like. Um, otherwise, my stereotypical chains, the Illuminati's, whatnot. Giordano's was my personal chain deep dish pizza place to get. Since I know some someone asked about that. Uh, and Illuminati's is a popular one, but that was a little bit more further north of me. And then they opened a couple stores after I moved away. Um, that was closer, but otherwise, Drew Donald's, I had uh, one of their stores like five minutes away from me. So that was the go to place. Thanks, man. Yeah, I know um, when I visited that one time, I think I had Gino East. I can't remember if that's the place or not. Um, Gino's but, East. Yeah, that one's yeah. a decent one. Um, I had that one before. Um, I think Pizzeria, no, that one's. Hmm. Not my favorite. I think no. Kara had that. My wife had that in, uh, I think, O'Hare Airport. Man, they, she said it was no. terrible. And I was like, yeah, don't get it in there. It's probably good. Yeah. Get Garrett's yeah. popcorn at the airport. That's it. I did. I did try Garrett's popcorn. I was there. And then I also got a, a hot dog from the Wiener Circle. I, I don't, have you ever been there before, Jeff? I have not been there, actually. Got it. It wasn't anything like earth-shattering, amazing. Only reason I went there is because um, way back in the day, I used to watch Conan O'Brien all the time and him and Triumph, the insult comic dog went to uh, the Wiener Circle because they would yell and curse at you and call you names while trying to order a hot dog. And so the, I went there just because of that show. And it was it was all right. It was a good, good hot dog, but it wasn't anything like amazing. I just wanted to see the experience. So um, really cool place to check out. It sounds um, I definitely would love to go back up there, bring my wife to check it out, too. Um, hopefully someday here soon. So uh, anything else around Chicago that if, if you were a fan or if someone that wants to go up there, they, that something that they have to check out, what's on there, like your bucket list or something that, you know, is really cool to see. So of course you got like all the museums, you can do like the city pass or whatnot that they have. You can do all the different museums that they have and 
go up onto the Sears Tower. And by the way, uh, not the Willis Tower, Sears Tower. Want to make sure we got that there, um, you know, and see different things like that and, and tours or whatnot. Um, so that's that's a fun thing to see, um, and you can learn about the history. That if you go there during the warmer months, you have the Taste of Chicago, you have Palooza um in, in august and then you also have navy pier which is great when the weather is great when the weather is not great then do not go there because it's really cold and windy because you're out in the water um and definitely you know the bean which is the most popular tourist attraction that took over navy pier i was told that multiple times and i just shake my head but uh yeah, you know, it's cool, I guess, whatever. Um, but uh, no, there's always something to do there. A lot of different food places, like Polish food, lots of good Polish food places, um, pierogies and whatnot. Even, you know, I had uh, my mom's uh, cafeteria worker at her, at her work when she worked in a college. Um, she would make these homemade pierogies for me, and they were probably the best things I've ever had, pierogies wise. It was, it was amazing. It was, and onions and, and bacon on it. And she made me like four big tubs and I ate like two of them in one night, I think. And I went in a food coma completely. Um, game changer, life changing. Quick facts about Poland and, and Polish is uh, Chicago is the largest Polish population outside of um, the country, Poland. Um, and I think the only bigger Polish population is in Warsaw. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot of Polish, uh, immigrants, there's a lot of food and such like that. I had people growing up, which I thought was normal that they would, uh, speak, you know, speak fluently Polish, like, um, and Polak or whatnot. And, um, had, you know, different parents where they didn't know any English or whatnot, um, like growing up on it. So it was, you know, a lot of different cultures and diversity there. It was all different Ukrainian village and Greek, you know, Greek town and, uh, little Italy and whatnot, you have so many different things. Uh, if you want some good Italian food, you go to Taylor Street. You'll probably find some good, really good Italian food. I know it's changing quite a bit since it was like 10 years ago when I go to Taylor Street Festival and whatnot. Um, but no, there's a lot of different good food if you like that. And lots of bars, lots of late night bars, um, lots of low key bars, everything in, in between, <laughs> breweries as well. Uh, Revolution Brewery is one of my favorite. If you're up there, I know the original you know, Goose Island is there, which but they're bought out by ABM Rev, so uh, people kind of shun on them. But the fun fact about them after uh, the whole uh, double doink situation, uh, they had a contest because everyone was talking crap on how they can kick a 42 yard or whatever it was field goal in the snow or whatnot in the cold. So they had a little contest where they had it measured out in their back, you know, patio yard. And they're all trying to kick footballs for 42 yards and over a certain fence, which is like a lineman and get it in. And it was just everyone epically failing. And my favorite part is when they had someone come up with a Packers jersey on and everyone was booing him the whole time and then cheered him when he fell down on the ground and he, and he didn't hit the ball <laughs> over the thing. Uh, but uh, no, it's always a, you know, a fun time, a lot of things to do and see there for everyone. Highly recommend, you know, checking out the city of Chicago in the area. That's awesome, man. I definitely want to go back and maybe one day me and Laura can get up there here pretty soon to check out a, a game or even check out the city and explore, which would be awesome. So, um, 
Awesome, man. Well, thanks for sharing some some secrets there with some Chicago facts and information for us, sharing a little bit of your history and fandom a little bit too for some everyone the listener. So um, you ready to dive into some fan Q&As? Let's do it. All right, and welcome back to this week's edition of the fan Q&A. Still got our co-host here, Mr. Jeff Eklund here, um, and we're going to dive in. You ready, buddy? Let's go. All right. So uh, this first question, we may have touched on this a little bit, um, but this one's from Jordan. So Jordan, um, what's your thoughts on the Mercedes-Benz Stadium and anything that Bank of America Stadium should implement from your experience? You know, we talked on on concessions a little bit, Jeff, but was there anything else that you thought that you know, Atlanta did differently anything that we should do or adopt or make our own version of based off of your own experience. A roof AC for the hot summer days and nights. That would be nice. Um, at least just an overhang, to be honest, Tepper, if you're listening, just an overhang, it doesn't have to be a full roof, just enclosed because it captures the sound and it echoes over. And then our support section doesn't sound like just white noise across the way in the stadium can actually hear it more and project it. I think that's probably the biggest thing I'd say besides the concessions. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. That AC was super clutch. I know it may sound me not being a quote unquote true fan and the elements, whatever. I don't care. Um, I would rather be an AC every or climate controlled every week if I could in some way or fashion. Um, that is super nice. But yeah, the roof cover, canopy, whatever it is. And there's no if David Tepper's listening to the show. He is our number one fan here, Jeff. So um, so he's definitely listening. He's going to make that happen hopefully sometime soon uh, just because you said it here on the show. So um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Concessions is the next thing, uh, which I definitely enjoy. Um, I will say they, they did a pretty good job with syncing with the supporter section on some of the chants to encourage the rest of the stadium to join in. So there was a few times where they did kind of like, what is it? The skull clap, whatever it is, like the Vikings do in in NFL from time to time. They did something similar, but they did like a T L and would clap in between. Right. And build up momentum and everything like that. And they've got it synced somehow where the stadium and the halo board above on the roof is synced with that and getting everyone on the same page. And that was pretty cool to see because you definitely had people on our side of the stadium, which is the opposite side, um, engaging, standing, clapping, chanting, et cetera. So that is one thing that if we can learn from, um, there's a way to do it. We just got to make sure we do it. So I was, I was pretty, pretty impressed with that perspective. So awesome. So good question there, Jordan. I appreciate it. Um, so this next one comes from Paul. So our buddy, about two people over from you from that game. Uh, Mr. Uh, Spilling Soda, you know, that kind of thing, right? But uh, yeah, so Paul, shout out to you, first of all, for, you know, being a great fan. But his question says, uh, we've been developing traditions and identities coming from both supporter groups and from the club. Think of of all those awesome things, such as official tailgate, supporters march, the Poznan, et cetera, et cetera, TFOs. What's something new that the club or supporter groups can add or incorporate that would enhance the game day experience at that scale? So Jeff... What do you think from from Paul's question there? Um, you know, that's a good question on it. I think, you know, I guess there, you know, there's some things they could do. Like you said, with incorporating different chants throughout the stadium. Um, I know the fire had a like really cheesy one 
they did to kind of enhance and get the other stadium where they'd go, they'd chant. This is like seven, eight years ago when I was in the sports section there the last time. And uh, they would point towards when they're in Toyota Park, they would say east side, east side, east side. And then they say, who's the best? And then they would chant back fire and they say, who? And they go back, like a call response. Then they switch to the other side. Then they go to the other side and then they go upper deck. Then they go back to one side and they're fake going to one side. Some, you know, interaction. I know people want that more. Um, so just constant chanting and trying to figure out, uh, you know, where, you know, we're at and, and different things like that. I think we can incorporate with the Charlotte FC, like you mentioned with ATL. Um, and that's starting to catch on with it. Um, just like, you know, the positing is catching on across the stadium. It started with just an, an idea and then thrown, you know, to support a section, to some people in support section, to all of it, to half the stadium now going through it so i think that's one thing yeah i think that's something that we've hear pretty pretty frequently and that i know there's been some ideas bounce around like a call and repeat call and response um a couple different things that's been thrown out there so i know that's something that could definitely enhance it i saw some people on slack when this question was posed by paul they were talking about like more season ticket member benefits or season ticket holder benefits and discounts etc like yeah, that, that, that could enhance the game day experience for some folks, not for everyone, but for some folks. Right. Um, so, you know, I don't know if that creates identity or, you know, culture per se, but it could definitely help create some more loyalty per se for some, some season ticket members. Give them yeah, I think to like renew. that would definitely t- touching on that part. It would be kind of offering more away day trip benefits because we're kind yeah. of being a known identity of the travel. We travel big numbers. Um, and to, you know, offer the benefit like Atlanta, if they do it for Atlanta, you know, Nashville, DC on it, um, you know, the closer ones, that's something we could do. So. That's a really good uh, call out there, Jeff. Cause you know, that is something I think, I know, I, I don't know if it's sporting KC or, um, yeah, I think it is sporting K- KFC or KC KFC sporting KC, uh, they, they buy traveler tickets for any supporters who want to travel, right? And it sounds like, oh, man, that would be a lot. But, like, there's really not that many fans that probably travel outside of, like, your immediate rival, right? And so it's probably not a huge investment for the club. Like, yeah, we, the team just essentially paid for 1,200 fans to go down to Atlanta and be in their, their section, right? Even if that's 25 30 bucks a pop, it's a pretty big chunk of change there just to have one game, right? Um, but if there's one thing that we could get a tradition or be known for, it could be our traveling support and um, the noise we make. I think that'll be a great thing. And I think the club can continue to do this, not for every game. I, I mean, you could advertise it as every game. I know Atlanta did that this year, but like how many people are being like, oh, yeah, let's get a huge group and fly out to, you know, let's go Toronto, to Vancouver, Vancouver. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> I mean, I'd love Canada. It'd be great to go visit. Yeah. But like. You know, but I, I don't think you're going to have a huge, yeah, I don't think you have a huge amount of people going out there and flying to that. So, you know, maybe that's something that they can offer. Maybe that's something that they can make as a new tradition or culture of like, you know, we, we travel in numbers and it's something that they can kind of lean into, um, especially D.C., Nashville, Atlanta, maybe Orlando or Miami, something like that, that they can lean into and, you know, and enhance the away travel experience for some fans. I think that's a good idea. Um so this next question comes from Rob. So this is a little bit about like tactics here, Jeff. So um, what do you think about the fact that all of our wins come in matches where we lose the possession battle? So I know me and Swift have talked about like style of play. And, you know, I, that was one thing I noticed. Like even when we we're up one to nothing or two nothing, I think Atlanta had like 
70% possession or 65% possession at that point, but they were losing two to nothing at that point. Um, so what do you think about that stat per se? But then also um, he makes a comment about our offense isn't reliant on a quick strike or counterattacks um, based offense, but it seems like when we have lost or tied every game, it's where we control the ball the most. So what, what's your thoughts from that? And is that a style of play that you enjoy to see or what, what's your thoughts? So as you know, I support, West Ham in Premier League, and they love to play counter football and sit back. For me, I like to have possession with purpose is what I call it. Um, get forward, attacking. You can sit there back and, and hold on possession when you're up 2-3-0 on it, and, and essentially you're killing time and waiting for the right moment and waiting for them to pull out um, and, and draw a lot of numbers forward to them you know, going from behind and um, to get more you know, opportunities on it. But I, I think that's kind of changing of, of philosophy as, as before where Latanzu kind of adapted with some of it, which is a good thing because he hasn't adapted. And I you know he's a first time manager, so to speak at this, you know, at MLS level, he's always been an assistant or whatnot before. So he's finally learning to, you know, adapt with it where he's telling like, Hey, we can sit back some and we can, we can counter them. They send too many people forward. We can get the ball back and we can move quick. Lots of passes, not just like the old school MLS, which back in the day, it was just long balls after long balls. It would be like, all right, well, we got the ball back, right back, left back, and just hit it up to the winger on the side and all the way up as far as they can. They would just sprint and people, the teams that had the fastest players in the wings would essentially win, win, so to speak, and get, and get goals or whatnot. Um, so I definitely think, you know, the possession tells a certain part of the story, but if they don't have a lot of possession in, you know, your final third, then by all means, pass it around in the back and make a mistake because they made some mistakes. Um, for example, Atlanta made mistakes, which we capitalized on. Um, that was, you know, further back in their half of the field. And I'd rather play that than us making mistakes and passing it to a wide, you know, a person on the other team wide open, and then we're, you know, we're scrambling to get back on it. And that also shows, you know, better defensive composure as well, um, which I love and stride for with teams, which, you know, if you're going to defend back and not allow a goal, I appreciate clean sheets more than, you know, scoring a ton of goals because it's very hard to have clean sheets in this league with the amount of talent and money that's spent on offensive players and defensive players that are, some of the least paid or lower paid of, of a lot, which some of that's starting to change, but uh, you know, it's you're going against all these designated player strikers and, and cams or whatnot and be able to shut those down uh, defensively is you know, a pretty big accomplishment um, on that. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's interesting, right? And it's MLS is always a league where it's really hard to, um, win on the road, right? And so typically if you would draw a lot on the road and win your games at home, you're most likely going to make the playoffs, right? And, you know, if it's, I could care less if we don't have possession because uh, to me that is what people criticize the sport for, just like really low, like high possession, slow moving games and, you know, low scoring goals um, or low scoring games. And for me, I think where you're, like you said, the league is changing a little bit a little bit more of a press, a little bit more of a counterattacking style play. And it's it's it was interesting and glad to see Charlotte kind of play that way against Atlanta on the road with a very depleted bench. 
this past match as well, right? So um, it was it was great to see. Um, hopefully we can win a few more. We own the possession, but uh, I'll take a win over having possession every every game for sure. So awesome. So uh, so this next question comes from Chris. So he, he wants to know again a little bit about tactics and play here, Jeff. So he wants to he he says that he noticed that we often leave our back post incredibly vulnerable. Um, where we have many defensive mis- mishaps coming from that side of the field. So when we switch the ball quickly, our players seem like they're totally caught off balance. Um, do you think that's why or why we condense uh, in the back and seem to understand where the dangerous play comes from? So I, I, you know, I, I'll touch on a little bit from what I saw even in Atlanta. You didn't see it as much, but throughout the season you've seen it. Like We tend to run that inverted back a little bit, that left and right back, we tend to pinch in more, play more of a midfielder, get caught up the field a little bit more. And then when they switch the field or if it's a counter play, we get kind of caught off guard a little bit. And you saw that a little bit with Atlanta in the first part of the first half where, you know, they press a little bit, they counter a little, and you saw um, them really make, you know, some dangerous plays where Kalina had to come up last second and make some decent saves. Right. Um, What do you, have you noticed that? Like what, what do you think is the tactics from your perspective, especially if since, you know, you watch a, great villain team like West Ham on Ted Lasso. <laughs> yeah. So um, I will say they like to play with a pinch. Like like has been said before, they'll pinch like the left back or the right back in. I don't believe fully in it. Like you, you need to condense some of the back line. You're playing defensively going back. You're going to give up the outside space, winger space. But sometimes the left back is almost like a center defensive mid position or center back. They're right next. They were literally holding hands with the left center back or the right center back at that point. And then next thing you know is they'll overload one side. They have to, everyone move over. Next thing you know, that right back or left back, depending on what side the ball is on, is playing as like a center back. And then they have someone swing around in the back and then they have a wide open person that they can just cross all the way over and get a goal. Um, on Which has happened multiple times before and in other matches, um, it's just it's I don't fully get it and understand it. Um, sometimes some of the, the hustle back as well, some of the players in the midfield, which is a lot better with Atlanta, which is one of the reasons why we won, um, is a lot more intensity and hustle back on players to get back and defend and, and mark up. Because I think the thing that drives me the most crazy insane just from being playing as a defensive player before and, and right mid or left mid uh, when I was in high school, I did. It was, it's just not marking someone. One's not marking up on set pieces first off. That drives me insane. If you have a free runner going in the back, which I've seen multiple times, I would be livid. I'd be yelling. I think that's what we missed with Marks where he wasn't yelling and screaming because we had a, I had a very loud goalkeeper and whatnot, which Kalina's a very a lot louder goalkeeper and will let you know if you mess up or something, someone's there. And he would scream and yell at you, um, which is a goalkeeper. Like you need that loud voice to say, hey, there's a guy on the back left, far post, far post, near post. You need to mark up on it and, and call it out. And if you mess up, he'll let you know and yell at you because you need to know that. Um, you need, you need to be told to know that and, you know, because you need to have intensity. You can't slip up on that. You have to have someone marked, have an arm on them, body on them. I'd rather give up a yellow card, you know, PK in the box with that than, than a wide open shot that goes in for a goal because you didn't mark up someone that they crossed over in the back post. 
Um, so yeah, a lot of pinching in with that. And I've noticed, um, with left back or right back kind of playing, like we said, like an inverted type role, um, on it, which I don't think is really needed. Um, you know, play more a tighter and compact when you're in defense to clog up the middle more. I think it's more to try to clog up the middle and force people outside to beat you, but eventually they move over and they space out some or they shift over and then that leaves the back far post vulnerable on it, which we've gotten beat multiple times so far this season, the same thing. So um, I don't know if you know that will change fully or not. We're doing better, but uh, if teams, you know, if other teams are looking at the footage, that's run up on the wings and, and cross over heavy crosses over to the far post and look for a wide open runner. Like that's one, one way we're going to be, or we have been beat before. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and I don't think I saw it as much in Atlanta. So, I mean, maybe, you know, they're adjusting tactics now, adjusting based off the players we have available and also against the opponent. So um, it was great to see the team kind of step up and, you know, prevent some of these chances from happening. And um, I, I do like the point that you mentioned with Kalina being back. He does seem like he's, I mean, you know, George I felt like did really, really well, uh, but Kalina is a much more physical, uh, imposing keeper than Marks is. And it just seems like some of those crosses, some of those goals, those open chances in the box. Um, Kalina seems like he is able to command. He commands the box. Have this, very well. Yeah, commands and the box. It's a lot more aggressive um, when those crosses come in. He's a lot more aggressive to try to yeah. knock those out, which he had one, you know, one save very the end of the mm-hmm. match um, that came in and was closer to him and he was able to punch, you know, punch it out enough um, at yeah. the very end of the match. So, yeah. Yeah, the only only knock I have on on Christian is just like his his long balls and just distributions not the best, but uh, it's hit or miss sometimes. But that's yeah. just the give uh, and take hit trade off. Yep. So uh, I'll take it if we can stop some shots and stop you know as many goals as possible. So awesome. So thanks for the question uh, there, Chris. So this next question comes from Zach. So we are a third of the way into the season. Where do you see us landing in the East now, knowing what we know, knowing the players, the injury, the points, etc. Um, so is it where you thought we were having from the preseason prediction, Jeff? So like, where do you see us finishing now? And is it where you expected us at the beginning of the season? Given everything that I've known that's happened now, preseason, I'd say six, seven, realistically, somewhere around there. Um, given all that has happened in preseason during the season so far, injuries and such like that, um, you know, off-field drama, locker room issues and such like that, you know, we are within striking range. And that's what MLS is. And that's something is watching the supporters league for a long time. There's a lot of parity. Um, I think LAFC is probably the only team that's really that, like, in the league of their own right now or higher up where they can just, when they're going, they're going. Um, but otherwise, all the other teams, like, look at Montreal. They were dead last in our conference and yeah. what they just kept winning and now they're way up there like it's just it's it's crazy um and we got so many teams tied with on points right now um where we're in 12th but we're tied up to like sixth or something like that um yeah it's you know it's it's a long haul so i just want to say for everyone that is always they want to get rid of latanzio i have my corpse <laughs> about him i don't agree with some of those things and like him um but you know it's it's gonna it's a it's a long ride um to the end nonetheless and it's early i know the fire 
fired their coach. Ironic yep. Yep. Uh, pun right there. Um, recently, but they got absolutely demolished by Nashville. Like that was not competitive. They they were done at that point, um, and they need some type of tactics change on it. We haven't gotten to that demolish level before, but it's it's a long season, and once people realize all the stuff that's going on off the field, injuries like what now we have three wingers injured for, for tomorrow. Um, and we had, you know, another one that could play as a winner with other issues going on. So you won't be. So we're left with someone that we just picked up recently as our only available option without pulling you know, Cambridge and Crown Legacy players up. Um, so, you know, we're doing pretty good for what has happened. Uh, knowing hindsight on it, I, I still think we'll probably finish roughly sixth or seventh if we keep going. But if the injuries start piling up again, you know, things can change quickly on it, but it's a long, it's a long season. Just, just hold on for it. I know Jay is appreciated as well. Or you need patience and just believe because it's, it's really things can change. Anyone can be anyone in the MLS. It's that much parody in it. So I need you to just clip that and put that on Facebook, please, Jeff. So, um, so it, it is, it is a, <laughs> I know, I know. It, it is a, it is a long season. You mentioned it. Like we are, we are tied for sixth place right now. There's Miami, Montreal, Columbus, DC United, New York City FC, Orlando City, and Chicago or, and uh, Charlotte FC are all tied for sixth place right now, right? And then on top of that, fifth place is only two points away, and then fourth place, who we just beat, which is Atlanta, is only three points away. So you can literally, depending on how the cards fall, jump all the way from fourth to fifth potentially. Or you can drop, stay down below 12th or 13th, all all within this week. Um, so it is a pretty big week. Uh, I, I said it an episode or two ago, I am Latanzio in right now. Um, I, I, you know, I feel like he's done well, all things considered. Injuries, off the field issues, what have you. I think he's done pretty well. I mean, granted, just like you said, there's been some decisions that I have not agreed with, like playing Brant Bronico at left back twice. Um, you know, having to put, you know, Derek Jones in the center back when you have a center back and Jan Sobyshinski still available to be called up, things like that. But um, it is what it is, right, at this point in the season. We're a third of the way there. I still think we finish in the playoffs. It's very hard to not make the playoffs in MLS now, especially with the new lineup. Uh, so you only need to be in ninth place to make the playoffs. We would have made them last year if that was the case. So I, I do think it's still possible. And I think we finish around sixth or seventh, just based off of our slow start earlier in the year. If we get some of these players back from injury and they stay healthy, I think that's going to make some pretty big waves for us here in the next few weeks. So awesome. So thanks for the question here, uh, Zach. We appreciate it. So got a fun question here for you, Jeff. So this comes from Chris. So it says, does Jeff take his shirt off to celebrate everything in life? And when he got engaged, did the shirt come off as well? So, Jeff, is there any other times in your life where the shirt has come off and you celebrated in that manner like you do at Charlotte FC? No. <laughs> and I didn't even do that when I was a Fire fan. We also didn't wow. have beer showers either. Yeah. That was another thing, too. We did have flares for a little while, um, which is definitely shunned now. But uh, we'll talk about that a different time. Uh, <laughs> It's a, a pretty ironic too that you would have flares in the, in the, the, in the city that had this huge fire 
um, that burned almost the whole entire city down, and the team is named after fire, and you had to be allowed to have a flare. <laughs> Flares and smoke and stuff, but that was that was uh, MLS 1.0. Didn't really care as much um, <laughs> then, but uh, yeah, no, uh, definitely have not. I might have maybe in college a couple times as a joke, or if we came back and won in college football. Um, but that was uh, definitely a lot of alcohol influence with that uh, decision. And uh, I do remember the one time where it was a college football game on ESPN, and we dare a whole group to take their shirts off and whip it around when it was like 20 degrees out and snowing. But it was put back on right after because it was very cold <laughs> freezing, um, yeah. and freezing yes but uh <laughs> um no do not celebrate with everything um that is just a charlotte fc tradition only for there me. you go so i have a i have a fun question for you so there was a uh there was a two poll that we made a very very long time ago uh at mint city collective i think it was the very first one that we, we made well Maybe the second one we made. I can't remember if it was, be- if it was before or after the For the Crown one or not. Um, but it is off of a very popular TV show right now that's coming into, I think it's final season or last few episodes. Um, and we actually debuted it on College Game Day in uh, the park down in Uptown Charlotte. Um, and it was Ted Lasso with a Charlotte FC jacket on, the crown, et cetera, right? Um, so rumor has it that you may or may not have this TIFO so, or two pole. Uh, first, do you still have it? So do you have that currently in your, your possession at the house? Yes. Nice. So what are the odds that that makes an appearance again? And is it currently mounted in the bedroom so you can reminisce from two years ago of all the great memories we had? Does your wife allow that to have that happen? No, that has been banished <laughs> out to the garage. Um, I did pull it out of the spot where it was in the garage. Nice. Just in case you wanted it for Atlanta, we didn't mention it. But I think hmm. the season finale of Ted Lasso is tomorrow. Hmm. So if someone really wanted it for the match tomorrow and they could get it in, which might be a little too late, I'll gladly bring it. Hmm. Interesting. Give it at least for the March. You know, we'll see. So, <laughs> so, but that's awesome. So I, I love that, that two pole. You have to check us out on social. It's, it's out there somewhere. Uh, we may post a picture of it just to reminisce as well, but that's a really cool thing that we did. And we did it in the, the upstairs of hooligans feels like forever ago, like two, two and a half years ago. Back so, in the good old days, <laughs> good old days of COVID <laughs> and all sorts of stuff, man. So, um, awesome. Awesome. So, um, I got one last question for you. So, um, you've been in an officer role for Met City for the past year and a half now going, well, more than a year and a half. Cause we did the role before the team ever kicked off. Um, what has been your favorite memory, uh, so far? It could be Met City Collective related, Charlotte C related. What's been like one of the biggest things that you, that stood out to you and what's your favorite thing so far? All right. Hands down it has to be the Chicago Fireway match when Charlotte was in um, Chicago and was there. I mean, won that 3-2 winner with Swarovski. I felt the pain and anguish from all the kids below <laughs> us that was talking crap the whole time. And because there's a bunch of kids all over the place and they were saying, you know, how they're winning, you know, three, you know, two, two, oh, two, one, whatever, and blah, blah. And 
all chanting at us or whatever. And then when that 3-2 went in, that, that last goal where Sardowski turned around, I couldn't believe it. Um, it was a, it was the best memory, but it was also like a painful memory of my past of what I had to deal with for over the years. And then I just look over and I, and I, uh, I see Paul or something with the kids and you're just like pointing at like three, two, three, two. And I was like, Paul, can we do that? They got plenty more years of anguish and, and hurt to come um, supporting this club, supporting that club um, on it. So <laughs> he's just break. He's just breaking them in early is what he was doing. <laughs> we broke them in early. Let me tell you, because they had all the little <laughs> Chicago fire flags they got for free or whatnot. And oh, they uh, no. got to feel all the pain on it. I will say, though, as an away trip uh, visit, if you do go up there um shout out to the forgot his name the way day coordinator with chicago fire best guy great getting in easy getting in very accommodating and helpful on it you know we're always you know secure no issues uh, on that pretty much let us do you know, whatever with flags and such in front they didn't really care that much they were yelling at us constantly like atlanta and things like that or hanging <laughs> over the edge or railing on it uh we had a good time i think we they were just really happy to have photo. fans <laughs> <laughs> they're probably just happy to have fans i know um but they're a little more appreciative of us than versus uh, i know st louis that they had uh, over the weekend which yeah. uh, there's some uh deep blood uh rivalry that's uh, non non-sports related between those two cities so uh, there's a lot of things going on with that one but uh <laughs> um no it was definitely probably one you know my favorite moments um then obviously you know the home opener uh first ever you know First ever game in DC was one, but the home opener is kind of like top of the cake. Um, I will say, if you've never been to a way day, way game, please go to one. It's a awesome experience to sit in the way section uh, with you know like minded supporters, and usually they're more of uh, very hardcore supporters, depending on where you're at or whatnot. But uh, in a good way, as in you know a friendly way, and uh, being able to talk to you know others in close net where you're kind of like a family bond going where you know, there's 40 or 50 of you in the stadium with 20,000 other opposing um, fans on it. It's kind of just forms of unity that you have uh, with them. So definitely advise going to an away match. It's not, like nothing else um, in, in soccer compared to any other sport. So um, a lot of other sports are trying to capture some of that because, yeah. you know, it's great. Yeah, I definitely think the Panthers would – die to have a supporter section or some fans. Roar and like Riot love to have supporter section. Oh, yeah. David Tepper, I know you're listening. Give Roar and Riot a home supporter section. There you they'll go. love you forever. And they'll also love me forever too. So hopefully they'll retweet this. <laughs> yeah. So make it happen. But uh yeah, it's it, I, I would say like that we, we went to DC last year. We went to St. Louis earlier in the year. Um and then I went to Atlanta this past weekend. It, it's a it's a really cool bonding moment. You you meet people you never met before, but you know that everyone has each other's back. They're there for the same reason you are. And it's kind of like cool to walk into a stadium and you're like, man, you're public enemy number one. Everyone's looking at you. They're all like, look at these, look at these guys over here. Right. And so uh, it's a really cool feeling to kind of see. So if you haven't done it before, um, I'll selfishly plug Mint City Collective, Southbound and Crown, whoever, reach out to them, look and see what their way day looks like. But um, Mint City really does it really well. Uh, we did it with St. Louis. It was awesome. Chris, y'all, I know you help with the back end on that stuff too, Jeff. Y'all doing a fantastic job. Um, it's it's a really great experience. So um, definitely do it. And I might, once we get off the show here, start looking at Chicago to see if we can make that happen. So be worth it. So you going this year? 
to maybe I was really hoping the Bears would play against the Panthers at home the same weekend mm. so they make the fire play in Toyota Park, but it'd be the same weekend. Um, which is another thing for note. Um the Chicago Park District has something in the rules where if the Bears you can't have any other event within three days before or after the Chicago <laughs> Bears game. So that's why they had to move some fire games to Toyota Park because of that last so, year. <laughs> Just what, what a dysfunction like thing. Like it's like, hey, we, we were there, but then we decided to break the lease. But hey, just kidding. Just in case there's a Bears game, can we still use your your stadium? Just in case. Yeah. It's what a, a what a cluster. It's a it's a <laughs> awkward situation. That points. I mean, just like they had that Open Cup game against the Chicago House, which is in the Midwest Premier League now, um, and they that's their home stadium technically for Chicago House, but it was a home game for Chicago Fire because Soldier Field wasn't ready for them, or they didn't want to host there, so they went to Toyota Park to host a home game. Mm-hmm. At the opposing team's home stadium. <laughs> Gotta love it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, that that's it for the QA for here. But let's talk a little bit about uh, the game tomorrow night. So um for those who aren't aware, what what's the what's the plans tomorrow, Jeff, for the uh for the tailgate, for the bar gate, whatever it is that uh Mint City's doing for tomorrow's match against the Chicago Fire? Yeah, doing a bar gate. Uh, courtyard hooligans, uh, Brevard Court, French Quarter area, whatever you want to call it there. Um, go in there. There'll be plenty of soccer supporters there for you. Um, I'd get there as early as you can and have some fun. And we're in a group picture at 6 p.m., 6.30 March. Uh, there's also a night's game on at like 7 or 7.30, I think, um, as well in that area. So there's going to be some busy traffic around there. Um, but otherwise definitely would advise, you know, go out there, have a couple drinks, uh, with us, come say hi, come say hi to me, come say hi to, uh, others and MCC. And I think, uh, Southbound Blue Fury and some others I assume are going there just, you know, unofficially going there and then we'll have a March, uh, they're a lot shorter March than, than usual, but still yeah. March, uh, it's the stadium and, uh, should be, should be a fun time. Yeah, from what I hear, I think most of the groups are going to be at French Quarter. Um, it's going to be a different March this year, so, or this this match. So if you are uh, expecting it to be from McNitch and walking up, it will not be there. It'll be starting at the French, French Quarter and going down the park and going that way uh, to the stadium. So uh, be on the lookout. I hate that I'm going to miss it, but um, duty calls here in South Carolina. So I'll be cheering virtually for you guys. Hopefully I see a shirtless Jeff in the vault suites, wherever you're at for this match. So um, awesome, man. So let's look at Wednesday. Quick predictions here, Jeff. What do you think the score is going to be tomorrow night? Um, and like, what do you think the result's going to be for Charlotte FC? Yeah. So what I want it to be, perfect, ideally. Um, want it to be a 2-1 win. Realistically, think it's might be a one one or a two two draw. Um just coming off of the injuries that we have and, and wingers and whatnot. Um we'll do decently well to overcome that being at home. But uh you know Chicago's gonna be good at, at counter pressing. They're gonna want us to play with possession and sit back more and and uh uh you got Shikari and a cam position now so on the wing because they're trying to get two different players uh, that play the same position uh, on the field at the same time. Sounds familiar, right? Um, <laughs> uh, so they have, you know, that issue on it, but that seemed to work well with St. Louis, but um, they were mostly playing 
you know, a counter and doing some position with the purpose, uh, but it was really more position they had when um, the red card happened for, for St. Louis and they started really hammering it down. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. Um, I think, you know, for those who aren't aware, Charlotte FC um, got some injuries again this past match against Atlanta. Uh, Camille Uzwiak is out again um, with a thigh injury. Um, ben Bender is out with, I can't remember if it was like an ankle injury or a calf injury, one of the two, um, but he is he is out for this game. Um, good news is, is that you have um, Bill is back potentially, uh, or he'll be available for this game. I'm not sure if he's going to start or not. Um, and then, you know, you're, you're starting to get some of these other players in, but you know, you have Enzo Capetti back from this now this game from the yellow card suspension. You have Derek Jones who is back from yellow card suspension this game as well. Um, but like you touched on it earlier, you know, you got Mackenzie Gaines who is out as well for this game because of injury. So you know, our our winger depth is really thin this game. Um, I, I don't know if Vargas will be available for this game or not. I know he picked up a knock. I think he was a week or two ago. Out. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be. So there's three wingers right there uh, that yeah. are out. So, I mean, for you, if you were the coach, all right, you're Latanzio, who do you start on the right wings? I think mm-hmm. we all know left wing, he's got to start Moran, unless if he comes with a late knock or something else, then we're really screwed. But uh, yeah. <laughs> who would you start on the yeah. right wing? Yeah, I know I know we were talking about it in Slack earlier, and, you know, there's been there's some debate coming out if – if you would put, you know, Carol Swiderski back out there at right wing, um, if you would put, you know, Cambridge out from Crown Legacy, who's gotten some minutes lately for the first team at right wing. Um, I, I think it comes down to of where where do you see the big the, the where you don't see the biggest downgrade is if you start Cambridge and keep Carol as a cam. Is that less of a downgrade if you put Carol at right wing and then put like a Chris Hagart? at cam right and i know both those guys are younger they've been making some good strides so i don't want to i don't mean downgrade as a bad thing right but where do you see the weakness being the least of a weakness by changing your lineup right because i do think westwood continues to start he's been coming in the form lately um you know you could see i mean you could see a midfield of Derek jones brand bronico and ashley westwood who knows it just really depends on where they put carol uh, swiderski coming up here the next few or in, in this game so um but if it was me I know I put my prediction in there. I, I think you put Justin at left wing, Enzo up top, and then I think you put Cambridge at right wing, Carroll as your cam, and then I would say Westwood at the eight, um, and then either put Bronico or Jones at the the CDM. Um, you know, Joseph Moore is back or will be available. I don't know if he's going to start coming right off of a knock. Same thing for Bill. So I think you do see the same defensive lineup as we saw in Atlanta with a burn, um, Jan, Melanda, uh, Lindsay starting. And then obviously I think Christian Kalina continues to start and because of George Marks's uh, injury a few weeks ago too. So um, that's my prediction. I know Swift um, made his prediction in our Slack. What do you think, Jeff? Do you put Cambridge there? Or do you put Carroll or what are you thinking? You you put Cambridge there. Swarovski struggled heavily. Swarovski, the way how he plays is he needs to be – he's one of our, he's our best one of our best players on the field. You want him central on the pitch. You want him to get more touches. It's the same thing that the fire switched over the new Shikari in the middle. He's our best creative player. He can open it up 
you can, you know, beat someone one on one, and you can also make, you know, creative passes through off to the wings over, you know, to Enzo, have that kind of share of uh, going back and forth. So you have to put him in the cam, I see he's next to Westwood, and then you put Jones as a center defensive midfielder because he's just coming off of rest. And Jones is, um, between him and Bronco, Jones has got the size to bully off, and he's fully, you know, fit as in he's fully rested on it. Bronico yeah. can come on later. I think if we're winning, Bronico will come in um, for Sardorsky for like two defensive midfielders and Westwood above him just to kind of preserve and hold the lead if it's on later. Um, I think Bronico just is a straight sweat sub with, with Jones if he's struggling um, later on and, you know, the game's tied or we're behind. Um, so this will be like a like-for-like like substitution. Um that that's what I would do. And I'll definitely start Cambridge on the right wing. I think he's ready for that moment. He watching him at Crown Legacy, which I know is a lot lower competition than MLS and not, you know, third division, so to speak. But he's got the wheels and running and sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta play folks, younger folks, or you gotta play others and and see if they can shine through in that moment. Just like he started playing Bender. Bender played in Atlanta and he did pretty well and I think he was struggling and when he subbed on for the Open Cup match against Orlando there's a lot of times Sarisky was yelling at him for not passing to him putting his head up and, and kind of looking lost at some points on it but Orlando you know he did decently well and um, you know just because he started you gotta, you gotta play um, so I think it's it's time to start Cambridge uh, Lindsay and you know Westwood will just have to help out on that side as well and be alert for that. And uh, um, I think, you know, I think Cambridge will get the start and do well. Latanzio, though, his thinking, he goes back to his old thinking. He'll probably just do sort of risky in the right wing and do Jones, Bronico, Westwood. But why would you mess up a midfield that has worked before with, with personally? You have yeah. Jones, Sorosky, Jones, and uh, Westwood has been the best midfielder in. Um, you know, last, you know, last time we had to kind of switch it up with Swarovski up top, but with Enzo up top, like that's our best midfield pairings that we've had, or we look the best so far, um, at least as of recently. Um, and then you can switch out Bronico in for Jones, depending on the size we're playing against. If we're playing against, you know, a uh, smaller team in the front, then, then, you know, Bronico could be fine if it's a bigger team more physical than you need Jones to kind of body off. But um, Jan, it's nice to see him starting. I know he's not the best, but he's the best fill-in center back. And I'm glad we have him in versus a burn and a center back role or something else or Bronico left back type deal thing again. Um, just play people as close to their natural positions and you'll be surprised to see uh, how well this yeah. will succeed. So he's got to roll with it. Imagine that place one at their natural position and they do well at it. So uh, it's, <laughs> it's crazy to say that, but you have to look yeah. just what has happened, but he's changed recently. So maybe it finally got the fire yeah. under his butt where he, you know, he's realized, all right, this is what I got to do. So must've been the t-shirts. It must've been because he saw the t-shirts. Had to be them. Had to be. Had to be him. So I know you said two to one is what you're hoping for. Right. So uh, I'm going to say, um, just based off of looking at, you know, Chicago scored close to as many goals as we have so far this season. 
um, and they've let in almost as much as us. So their goal differential, um, I mean, it's, you know, you're looking for us. We've scored 16 goals so far this season. Chicago scored 14. We've let in 22 goals so far this season. They've let in 16. So it's not like they're world beaters. It's not like they're sitting here lighting up the the, the table on MLS. Um, I, I think it'll be, I'm going to say 2 nothing Charlotte. So I think we're going to see some surprises here. Um, so I'm hoping for, uh, especially since I'm not going to be there. So Jeff, if we win, um, maybe I won't, I won't show up in, uh, on Saturday we'll see, but hopefully, hopefully that's <laughs> not the case, but, um, but yeah, hopefully we win, we pull this one out. So, um, cool, man. Well, any, any other final closing thoughts before we end the episode? And, um, now I'm hungry for some deep dish pizza late at night. So I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but, uh, any other closing thoughts here for, for the listeners? Talking about deep dish pizza and pizza in general. There is a Rosati's down here. That's the Chicago chain. It's in uh, hmm. in Waxhaw, Ray Road. Uh, so if you, I don't know if there's down in Columbia by you or not, but if you're up in Charlotte area, for the folks that are in the Charlotte area, there is a Rosati's. It isn't the best deep dish pizza, all right? So I'm sorry if it's not as good as you think it is. It is like B, C tier, probably C tier. Okay. Get the thin crust, though. That's, that's the good, decent pizza on it um for it but uh yeah no otherwise thanks for you know having me as your uh celebrity co-host uh for uh swift being gone i'm sorry i'm not as uh analytical as as swift maybe with some things um i will say that uh i hope we get a clean sheet uh, i don't know if that will happen but i really hope we do um but so far some of the defensive issues that we've had or whatnot i just don't just don't know if we will or not. Um, but I think when Kuro comes back, uh, which from what I've heard, he's going to do one Crown Legacy game, then go mm-hmm. to Charlotte mm-hmm. FC. So uh, if you see him playing for Crown Legacy coming up on the weekend or something soon, then uh, expect him to be in Charlotte FC lineup pretty quick. So, but uh, yeah. yeah, hopefully we get the clean sheet and to get the win tomorrow. Um, and then move on to good old Nashville, which will be a interesting <laughs> test in itself. Well, you did a fantastic job filling in for Swift, Jeff. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, we'll definitely have to bring you back on um, for the next Chicago episode or even before then. We'll see. But I had to quickly Google. So that's that place sounds pretty good in Waxall, but I'm not going to drive up there tomorrow for the for the game. But I Googled Chicago style pizza, Columbia, South Carolina. And there's only one option that came up <laughs> um, other than Marco's pizza, which it, Marco's pizza is not Chicago style pizza. Um, it is called old Chicago pizza and tap room. It's not too far from me. I might go check it out. But what worries me is that they have De- Detroit deep dish pizza and also Chicago deep dish pizza on the same menu. So I don't know how you can have both at the same place. Um, so I don't, I don't know, but I might, I'll report back and let you know. And, let you know if it's any good or not. It might be we'll an imposter, but uh, good luck <laughs> with that. It, I, I hope for the best. Um, if not, here's a good way to ask them if they are from Chicago or not to say, okay. just catch it belong on hot dogs. They say yes, turn around, walk out. Turn of, around and leave. Walk out of there and say, nope, <laughs> this isn't the right place. Get rid of the sign. It's not, it's not get rid of the sign. <laughs> So that I had to quickly look here because this is now turning into a pizza podcast. Uh, their old Chicago favorites, the Chicago Seven. Uh, it is pepperoni, Italian sausage, red onions, black olives, green peppers, and sliced mushrooms on a pizza. So, um, 
We'll see. Sounds I might, I might go check this out. Sounds typical, but it does sound you, like I tell them you gotta just ask the hot dog question that weeds it out really quick. Got it. That and got make it. sure they have good Italian beef too. They got some good Italian beef sandwiches in Probably. There you go. I forgot about that. I had that when I was in Chicago too. I forgot about the Italian beef. I'm yeah. telling you, there's so many food options. If you're a foodie, just go up there and you'll have so many food options to eat. You'll be you'll be stuffed. You'll be if I stayed up there, I'd probably be five hundred pounds. But I was gonna say I'll be walking away. I'll, I'll be walking like the SNL skit of the of the dub bears yeah. looking like those guys. Yeah, you'll table, be so. walking and talking just like that. <laughs> yeah. So awesome, man. Well, really appreciate you filling in. This is a really fun episode. So thanks again, everyone, for tuning in, bearing with us while Swift is out. Uh, but um, hope for a win here, and uh, tune in next time. We'll see you, see you later.